Welcome to God Mode, Living Life Undefeated. Join us each week as Pastor Chris delivers a message to encourage, challenge, and empower you to live life in God Mode. All messages can be listened to at www.godmode.life. Let's join today's message. Hey, everybody, welcome to God Mode season number two. I am so excited about this new season of God Mode, and I hope that you're going to be blessed. I hope you're going to be encouraged and really challenged. And today we're going to jump right into this week's message because we're starting a brand new series titled Counterfeit. And the vision behind this series is to bring to light all the lies that have been hiding in the darkness. The vision behind this series is to show you all the lies of the enemy, to expose his deception, and also listen, listen to this. We're going to take down a different demon every week. Even demons that may be in your life that you didn't even know about. Demons that may be tormenting you and your relationship with God, and he keeps putting the same temptation in your face over and over again. But before we dive deep, listen, I'm going to have some fun with you guys, and I want you to think a little bit. Let me ask you this question. How many of you cannot stand when something is fake? When something is fake, when something is not what it says it is or what it claims to be? Maybe you've bought into that brand new diet, right? And everybody else is doing it. And they say they've lost all this weight. And so you bought and you paid for all the meals and you thought you would look good. But within a few weeks, what happened? You just started gaining weight again, right? And how did that make you feel? You realized that it was a fake diet and they were just trying to steal your money. It makes you upset, right? What about fake people? What about fake friendships? When somebody in your life tells you everything you want to hear to your face, but the moment they go to somebody else, they stop, start really gossiping about you and telling everybody about your situation and how bad you really are. I mean, I've experienced that. I don't know if you have. I even experienced that with church leaders. The, the moment you leave, they begin to talk about you and lie about you. But let me ask you this question. Would you go back to that friend or that leader for comfort? Would you? No. But why do so many of us keep running back to the lies of this world for comfort that will never satisfy? Because the comfort of this world is counterfeit. It's fake. It will never give you what you need. Only Jesus can give you comfort that you're looking for today. So I want to say it like this. Stop chasing what is fake. Stop chasing the things that will never satisfy you, like the love of God or like a relationship with Christ. Because I want to give you this deep revelation. This is kind of what the Lord spoke to me. God said the more valuable something is, 
the more likely it'll be counterfeited. Did you hear me? The more valuable something is in your life, the more likely it will be counterfeited. What does the Bible say is the most valuable thing for your life? I mean, let's look at this. In Psalms chapter 19, verse 10, this is King David speaking. And he said, reverence, meaning respect and love for the Lord, is pure and lasts forever and never fades. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. So desiring the ways of the Lord is more valuable than pure gold in your life. To live for Jesus is the most valuable thing you can do. Amen? Would you agree with that? But then in comes the devil, right? And what does he want to do? He wants to seduce you with the counterfeit promises so that you will allow an open door for his demons to come into your life, to tempt you and to attack you with certain things. Listen to the scripture we see about in the end days talking about the Antichrist. Second, 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 second Thessalonians, come on, you can spit it out. Chapter 2, verse 9 states it like this. This man talking about the Antichrist comes to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power, meaning fake power, signs, and miracles. Fake signs, fake miracles. He will use every kind of deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Not that long ago, we could only imagine what this would look like. But I believe in today's world, in today's culture, we are already seeing how advanced technology has gotten. And something that's always fascinated me in that revelation, we talk about the mark of the beast. We talk about the image of the beast that actually comes to life. When you do not worship the Antichrist, he will come and kill you. And that's something I've always asked God, what would that be like? What would that look like? How can that even be possible? But in today's culture, we see AI, when we see all these things, these machines start to come alive and almost have a brain on their own to be able to answer questions that like we're seeing this technology start to be more and more advanced in the end days. And the Bible tells us, listen, this idol of the beast will come to life and kill those who do not worship the Antichrist. They'll be free. It's counterfeit. It's all deception. It's all fake. The enemy has no real power. But why will people be deceived? Question, how will people fall for these tricks? Listen to this because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them, the truth that would set them free. What it means is that they're offended by the truth of God's word. And because they're offended, they're not believing in the truth that would set them free. So instead, they go towards the lies of the enemy because it makes them feel good. And the moment the lie to the enemy makes your flesh feel good because it satisfies the flesh in that moment. But the Bible tells us that everything the enemy speaks into our life is a lie. For Satan is a liar. John chapter 8, verse 44. He was a murderer from the beginning. He's always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he's consistent or it is a consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of all lies. 
And so I need you to understand that everything God creates, Satan counterfeits everything that God has done. Satan will think it. He will know we serve the one true God, but Satan is the counterfeit God of this world. He is the fake God of this world. And we know this because of the Bible. Who is the God of this world? The lowercase g, the fake God of this world, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Not only that, but demons are a counterfeit version of really of God's holy angels. We know that at one point they're angels, but they rebelled against God, and, and so they have fallen, and they no longer have that position. But the Bible tells us even Satan will masquerade as an angel of light. Chapter 11, verse 14, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light to pretend to have the things you need. He will give you false answers to your problems. He will tell you that this will make you happy when it'll only bring destruction into your life and into your relationships. Listen, even demon possession is a counterfeit of being filled with the Holy Spirit because the enemy wants to come in and he wants to distract and he wants to take you away from the gifts of God and from you looking at Yahweh. Listen to what Paul told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20. Paul says, I am not saying that the sacrifice, I am saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. I don't want you to participate with demons. I don't want you to take part in what is pagan and mix it up with what God has for your life. These traditions, these things are that are not of God and mix it up and put it in all together. It will not work for your life. And so I'm praying that God has really prepped me for this series over these last few weeks, over this time that we've been apart. And God got my attention about what's happening in culture and the lies that are being spread in the culture. Listen, here are some of the lies that I've heard. Jesus said in the word of God, he said, I am the bread of life. But to the world, bread is something different to the world. Bread is money going to stack the bread, right? I need more bread in my life to pay my bills and to get the things that I want in the world. Bread is money. But to the Bible, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Bread means the word of God that will fulfill you, sustain you, and everything that you need. Listen, also see, you know what the Bible says, what God creates is perfect and his love is pure. But what the world will tell you is that your perversion is your identity. You can love whoever you want to. You can love as many people as you want to whenever you want, as long as it feels good in the moment. This is your identity. You just become this and let the perversion run rampant because it is good for the flesh. God says, what I create is perfect for the moment is created. See, God knew you even before you came out of the womb. He knew your purpose. He knew what he had for you. But we start to believe the lies the world is telling us that we're not good enough. And we need something different, someone different. Jesus said, I am the slaughtered lamb for your sins. Died on the cross, right? But the world will tell you, you'll be like the goat. Be like the greatest of all time. That's what they say. And so I'm looking at the contrast of what the world says and what the Bible says and how many lives we start to believe over time. 
Now listen, if you're not careful, you will believe a lie from Satan, believing it is pure gold. But in the end, it's going to leave a green stain on your faith. Why? Because it's fake. It's fake. It's counterfeit. It will not sustain you. It's not what you need. So we're going to talk about a lot of different things over the coming weeks. But today I want to talk about bread. All right. So the title of today's message, you could call it fake bread, counterfeit bread. And, and I'm going to give you three points that I want to show you. But the first two points are going to be deep questions. And I want you to think about it. Point number one is this. What is mammon? What is mammon? Now, that's, this is interesting demon that is mentioned by Jesus. It is recorded out of the Bible, out of the New Testament about four times. But Jesus actually spoke about this demon only three times because he repeated himself again. But the most famous verse, Jesus speaking about this demon called mammon, is out of Matthew chapter 6. So, hey, if you happen to have your Bible, you know, turn to chapter 6. If you're listening to this while you're driving, you can just, you can look it up later. It's chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about what true treasure is, what is the real treasure of your life, the reason you were created, and the purpose for your life. He said, live for these things, not the things of the world. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, 20, Jesus said, Do not live for yourselves. Treasures are on earth where moth and rust destroy, when thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal no love. What Jesus says right here is for he is where your treasure is. Your heart will also be. That's why you need to guard your heart. Because the Bible also tells us that our hearts can be wicked and deceiving. Why? Because we're selfish by nature. We want the things that we want in the moment that we want them. And so in being led by a heart, following your heart may not always be the best direction for your life. But Jesus said, listen, you want to correct your heart? Let me be your treasure. You want to create your heart? You know, you know, you want to do the right things and you want to do it right in every situation. Let me, let Jesus be your treasure and he will always guard your heart. So Jesus, I say, live for the kingdom, not for this world. But because you have all the money in the world, it's going to fade. It's going to disappear. It's not going to go with you into the afterlife. But listen, this is what I love about the Sermon on the Mount, especially in chapter right here. Jesus is setting up something. He's setting up a shocking revelation to the Jews that are listening. And here's what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love another, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. Notice what Jesus said right there. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and mammon. And so the question is, what is mammon? Well, mammon is an Aramaic word that means riches, but is also a demon, according to the Bible. It was an idol. It was a demonic idol, and it was a Syrian god that they would worship. They would serve this god in order to be prosperous in life, and in order to have wealth, they would worship this thing. So Jesus is saying to the Jews, listen, 
You can't serve God and money. You can't worship both. You can't live for both. In this case, the Jews knew just how bad this was. Because listen, when Jesus said the spirit of mammon, the Jews knew that the spirit is what caused the rebellion from the very beginning out of the book of Genesis. This spirit come from the evil empire called Babylon Avalon, right? That's what we see out of the book of Genesis. Babylon is the name from the Hebrew text. So the Hebrew definition of a play into confusion, because we know the story of the Tower of Babel. They were building this tower to rebel against God. They thought they, they could get to the kingdom of heaven and overcome God. But then God did. <laughs> Why they were so evil, they put this together. God confused the language, and they started to battle, right? They babble. They just begin to babble. So that's the origin of the story of different languages in this world. That's why people speak in different languages, because at the moment they were doing something corrupt and evil together, rebelling against God, all God had to do was confuse their language. And at that moment, they didn't know how to talk to each other. They got frustrated with each other, and they just left, right? They, they scattered throughout the world, uh, just like they were supposed to do from the very beginning. So in Hebrew, Babylon just means planted confusion. But again, Satan always brings a counterfeit definition, doesn't he? Yeah. So in Babylon, they didn't see it as confusion. Their definition was, this is the gate of God. That's what it meant to them. Now, Babel actually means the gate of God. That's what Babylon was created. And looking at the test, listen, it was led by the first antichrist in the Bible named Nimrod. I must show you some of these things. I know we're getting deep, right? But I want you to pay close attention to the wording that describes Nimrod in chapter 10, verses 8 and 10. Bush, we got Nimrod, okay, Neuron's father, and he began to be the mighty one on the earth. I mean, mighty one. Remember that. He began to be the mighty one. He was the mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, and the beginning of his kingdom was battle our battle. Babylon is the one that created Babylon. The spirit of Babylon right after the flood. The spirit of Babylon continues today. Not only can we see the empires of Babylon in the Bible that led Israel into captivity because King Nebuchadnezzar, we also see the spirit of Babylon today from the book of Revelation. So you better listen, right? You better be prepared to face this demon because all of us are going to be tempted in this way. And I want us to see this. So we created this horrible city, this spirit that led themselves, that rebelled against God. And we see the Assyrian connection from the prophecy spoken from Micah, Micah 2, 5 and 6, I believe. Micah said that we shall waste the sword with the land and Assyria, the land of Nimrod at its entrance. Okay, and this is why Assyria, Assyria started to worship this God, this spirit, right? It all came from Nimrod from the very beginning. Then things get a little very interesting. And I don't know if you've ever studied Genesis chapter 6, but things start to change. So what are the words to describe it? Describe Nimrod. And I told you to think about he is a mighty one on the earth. The same language is used to describe the origin of evil spirits, evil giants that were created by the fallen angels. We see giants throughout the whole Testament. We see giants in the Bible, book of Genesis chapter 6, actually gives us the origin story of how they were created. Genesis 56 verse 4 states, there were giants on the earth 
and in those days and also afterwards, meaning that the giants before the flood, they were giants, and after the flood. Now, there are many assumptions and ideas how they got there after the flood. Flood. Some theologians believe that genetic engineering corrected, created these new giants that we see again from King Arthur. Uh, we see Goliath, right? But they were nowhere near the size of the original giants before the flood. But here's what we see, okay? And it says when the sons of God, the sons of God in Hebrew is beneath Elohim. You only see it in reference of angels. You see it in the book uh, of Joab and the angels before God. These are the sons of God, Benin Olim, right? And they're right there at Genesis saying that those angels rebelled against God. The fallen angels came to the daughter, into the daughters of men. They thought the daughters of men were beautiful. They bore children with them. They were the mighty men who were the old men of the renown. I'm looking at that, and I'm seeing that for, from the very beginning. This giant race was created from Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. It was a fake, counterfeit creation. Do you see that something that God did not create, but the enemy created instead? Every time you see a giant in the Bible, is he good? Every time is he evil? He's always in rebellion against God. He's trying to take over the nation of Israel. So guess what? When you learn in the Old Testament about some of the cities that the Israelites had to annihilate and destroy, guess what? You'll learn that the Nephilim lived in those cities every time you learn there were evil giants that lived in the land, that they were supposed to overtake and destroy the land of Canaan. I mean, they were felt like they were grasshoppers among them, right? Because the descendants of Nephilim were there. This is the Nephilim from Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. Guess what else? That's why God brought a universal flood. People have always asked the question, why would God flood the earth in the very beginning? Because things got out of whack with Satan's counterfeit lies. His counterfeit creations when man thought they could play God. And these giants brought a lot of destruction and pain and evil upon the earth. In fact, they, they wanted to be worshipped. And if you really want to dive into it and go into the Jewish background of it, you can study this. Go look Flavius Josephus, you know, who talks about them and even had the names of the Greek gods like Pluto and Neptune and all these things. And it goes like this. Every pagan religion goes back to the Torah Babel, right? Because that's what is the start of this spirit, the spirit of mammon. So listen, we can be bigger than God. We can overtake God. And so we see that here. But what I love too is that the Old Testament, just Joshua, I mean, theologians believe that by David's time, they had killed off these giants. They took these giants out and they lived with the Lord by faith. They were able to take down the enemy every time. So let me say it like this. The Bible really wasn't boring. Again, there's some fascinating things when we look at the Bible. But possibly, Nimrod was from the race of the giants. There's even a statue that you can look up today of Nimrod believing to hold a lion in his arms like that. I mean, like this. I mean, he was big and he was threatening the people of God. But you really need to hear the rebellion that took place at the Tower of Babel. Genesis chapter 11, verse 24. This, uh, I'm going to read you an easy version because I like how it's worded, but it says, there was a time when the whole world spoke one language. Everyone used the same words. The people began to move from the east 
They found a plain in the land of Babylonia and stayed there to live. Then they said to each other, let's make some bricks of clay and bake them in fire. Then they used these bricks as stone. Then they used the tower as mortar, right? And when the people said this, they looked at the building and said, let's build ourselves a city and a tower that will reach to the sky. Then we will be famous. Then people will talk about us. Then people will worship us. They will worship who we are. Again, every pagan idol came from Avalon, the Tower of Babel. They said, we will be famous, and this will keep us together so that we will not be scattered all over the earth. What was God's command from his people? To be fruitful and multiply and scatter the earth right after the flood. There is already a problem because man thinks his way is better than God. I'm telling you, the most dangerous way of thinking to believe that your way is better than the ways of God in your life. So the spirit of mammon right here created a system where we believed that they did not need God. And here was the lie that fooled everybody. You could build your own way to the kingdom of heaven if you just had enough fame and wealth. If everybody knew who you were, if everybody talked about you, if you had enough money to build whatever you wanted to build, then you could create your own way to the kingdom of heaven. So again, God said, you think that's what you can do? You can overtake me? Listen, all I got to do is confuse your language. Y'all won't know nobody. You won't know what anybody's speaking. You don't know what your friend is saying. You'll no longer be able to communicate and do the evil that's within your heart at this moment. And God did that in this. And, you know, it's amazing. So that's how we got Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad to the face of the earth. But listen, the spirit of mammon is going to tell you two lies. The first lie the spirit of mammon is going to say, speak to you is this. You don't need God to be fulfilled. You just need money. You don't need God to be happy. You don't need Jesus at the center of every relationship. You just need money. If you just had enough money, then all your problems would be fixed. That's the first lie. But the second lie is almost even more dangerous. You combine them both. You can serve your way, and you can serve the spirit of mammon. You can serve both masters. Worship Jesus on Sunday morning, right? But throughout the week, worship the spirit of man. And we live for what drives us every day when you wake up. It's the chase of success, fame, and money. Or it's the chase to have Jesus as your treasure, to know that he is your provider, that God will provide everything that you need each and every day to live to have him set you free. Because guess what? Even when you receive the money you've always prayed for, it's never enough. Have you noticed that maybe you spoke this when you were younger or even maybe now? If I just got that position, if I just get this title, if I just got this salary, then I would be happy. What happened when you got there? We know, right? Now you know my life has changed. You need a little bit more. You always need a little bit more, right? It's always something else. That's why Solomon said it's like chasing the wind. You were never satisfied by the spirit of mammon. But I need your honesty. And the spirit of mammon is looking for servants. He's looking for worshipers. And that's why Jesus said, listen, 
I'm going to take out the darkness and shine light with the truth. Matthew 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either you'll hate one and love the other. Two extremes, and this leads to the end to the point of number two, which is my second question, then what is manna? What is manna? Kind of makes you laugh. Just look how similar mammon and manna actually sound. Because the enemy is always trying to fake what God does. I got to tell you a corny story that I heard back in Bible college, but it's never left me. And I remember a teacher told us, you know, God was creating all these things and Satan showed up and Satan said, okay, God, I can do anything you can do. So God said, okay, all right, let me create a human being from the dust of the earth. And he grabbed the dust and he spoke into it. And then all of a sudden a human being came up. And Satan said, okay, I can do that too. And Satan bends down and God says, no, no, no. Get your own dirt and create your own world. See, Satan can only take what God has already created and fake it and make it look like it's his. And what's so funny to me is that in our world, when we talk about bread, it seems we talk about money every single time. So let me ask you this question. What is bread? According to the Bible, here's the first definition. Bread is the symbol of God's supernatural provision for your life, meaning that God will provide you for everything that you need and supernatural ways when you trust him. Remember, I've told you before, but when the Israelites first saw manna, what did they say? They didn't say, oh, thank you, Lord. Right? We've been praying for food, and we used to eat back in Egypt. We've been starving in the wilderness. Thank you, God, for so much for bringing us fruit. You know what they say? They ask God, they said, what is this? What did you just send me? What is this flaky stuff all over the ground? I don't understand what it is. In fact, Hebrew, the word, the word manna means, what is it? It's asking the question, like, what is it? It's like, in Exodus chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, it states the dew evaporated and this flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled, right, when they saw it and they asked the question, what is it? What is this that God has sent us? They had no idea what it was. And Moses told them, it is the food that the Lord has given you to eat. I don't know what they were expecting. You pray for food, and you think, hamburger is going to fall from the sky, right? Some baby back ribs or something that you've been really longing for. Like, God, you know my desires. You know my stomach, right? And you know, oh, I've been listening to this, and I want you to give me what I really want. They didn't understand, right? But I love Moses. It's like, this is what you prayed for. You don't understand it, but this is actually what you prayed for. This is what you need in the moment. And so it started making me think a lot of, of times in our life. You know, what, what we do, we pray to God and we say, God, I need this. We say that all the time. God, if I just had more of this, then all my problems would be fixed. I'd be able to take care of my bills and not have all this stress. If I just had more of this, God, if I just had more of this in my marriage, it wouldn't fall apart. My marriage would be better. We wouldn't fight all the time. We wouldn't have all these issues in my life right now, God, if I just had more of this. 
then I would have value. I'd have identity. People would see me in things that I have. And God, if I just have more of this, a lot of times we pray to God and we, we're like God in the solution. God's like, no. I imagine that you needed that and God puts in your hand and you're saying, God, what is this? I don't understand. But God's saying, listen, listen, I'm proving something to your heart right now. Because what you think is the answer is actually a counterfeit version. So you can have all the money in the world and your marriage is still going to fall apart. You can pay all the bills. It's still a fight every time you come home. But because, listen, every marriage will be hollow without Jesus in the center. It may look good on the outside, but it's empty on the center without Jesus Christ being the rock of every relationship. Not only that, but when we think that money is going to solve all of our problems, do you know sometimes money brings more problems? All of a sudden, you get a lot of money, and you have all those friends you haven't heard from in a long time saying, hey, man, how you doing? I heard you guys, hey, I, I, I got some needs right now, and I don't know. You could help me out. And you're like, no, you never paid me the $5 like from five years ago. Why would I give you any money? You know what I mean is this. Listen, I think it's going to give us value. What do you want your value to be in this? This fades this far apart. There's no longer going to be the word of God. What's his name? Sometimes God is saying, yeah, I know you prayed for that, but I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you true bread. And I love that God can provide for what we didn't even know existed. I love that he can send manna down from heaven. And we asked a question, what is it? I've never seen this before because here's another question. Why didn't God just make it rain down gold flakes, right? They, then they could just buy whatever they needed or send for the food that they've always wanted. Why did God do something new? God gave me this revelation, I think. And he spoke to me and said, I'm always providing in new ways to teach my people to trust me in new ways. I'm always providing in a situation in a different way to show you that you can have faith no matter what. Challenge your faith. But he's doing new things in your life to teach you to always have faith no matter the situation. Because what I'm looking at the text, right, they prayed for food, they prayed to be full, they prayed for these things that they needed, and so God said, manna. And guess what? The revelation is this. They had just enough every day. They didn't have too little. They didn't have too much. And if they became greedy with it, you know what Moses said. He said, listen, if you become greedy and you store up more for yourself overnight um, because you've, it's a sign, it would all rot. I mean, that's what Moses was saying. You want to take things in control and disobey God and give more to yourself, be greedy in this situation. You better believe not only is your faith going to run from you, but the things that you wanted right in your hand are going to rot. Why? Because the method in your life needs to change. More money won't solve your problems. If you had bad methods or bad spending habits, you'll always get back in that. And so I want you to see what Moses told the Israelites here. He said, you're going to have just enough, everything that you need, right? These are the Lord's instructions to each household. So gather as much as it needs, first, that's 1920, and then Moses told him, 
Do not keep any of it until morning, meaning do not doubt God, gather too much. But some of them did not listen, and they kept some of it until morning. And by then it was full of maggots and had this terrible smell. Moses was angry with them, and I bet he was. It made the place stink, you know what I mean? Not only does your faith stink, but now we think according to, stinketh according to the King James Version. But you do not believe what God had for you. You're holding back too much from God said, I will provide. I will give you what you need. So why do you want to do it on your own? And when God is saying he can do it for you and always asking you to do is walk by faith and trust him. My next question is this. Why didn't he just give them everything they wanted from the very beginning, right? Satisfied their hunger, satisfied all the things they wanted in the moment. Listen, God was teaching them to depend on him every single day, every single day. You prayed to God. God today provided my needs. But here's a revelation as well. When you depend on God every day, you rebuke the spirit of mammon. When you depend on God, you actually rebuke the spirit of mammon. I don't need the world, but I know that everything good comes from above. So today, God, I'm asking you to provide my needs. I know that you'll give me everything that I need in the moment. That's why Jesus taught us to pray like this, right? Give us this day our daily bread. He didn't say pray for a month of bread, a year of bread, or years of bread. No, he said give us this day. And every day I'm going to be dependent upon the Father to provide my needs. And when I know who my provider is, I can rebuke the spirit of mammon every time he comes before me and tries to tell me that money will buy me happiness. We are going to stop right here for today. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Join us next time as we continue in our series, Counterfeit, with part two of Fake Bread. Listen to God Mode each week as a new episode will drop. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message.